0: Hi, this is Graham Brown and welcome to the XL Podcast. The XL Podcast is a platform for the bigger conversations about leadership in the 2020s. Who's leading? How are they leading? And what stories do they have to share? Through the stories of leaders, we'll address the big challenges of our times from the era of AI to the Asian century to nurturing a new generation of entrepreneurs. If you're enjoying these conversations, subscribe to the podcast at xlpodcast.org. Hi, everybody. This is the XL Podcast. My name is Graham Brown. Now, something's happened in the last couple of years, which was we stopped traveling, but it's all happening. It's all on again. We're seeing this on our social media feeds. People are going to airports. People are getting on airplanes. The world is getting back to normal. So as we get back to the new normal, there I've said it, of travel, let's talk about what's happening in the world of travel. We're all touched by it whether we're traveling on vacation or traveling for business. We all know the ups and downs of travel. It's not straightforward. It's exciting and yet it can be immensely frustrating. And a lot of that can be due, not just to the airplanes, but the airlines as well, all the procedures, everything that goes with it. It can be done really, really well, and it can be done badly. We've all experienced both ends of the spectrum. So to unpack a bit of that the world of travel in numbers and human experience i'm joined by mark ross smith the ceo and founder of Stannis match all the way from kl mark welcome to the show
1: hey graham fantastic to be with you
0: that's great to have you now let's put it out there for those that don't know i've done my research on kl i've been there a few times love kuala lumpur malaysia for those that don't know where you are in the world interestingly is the most advantageous point for reaching people that for a five-hour flight from kl airport can access half the world's population now if you did that from san francisco airport you would access only 750 million people which is 20 percent so where you are is this supreme vantage point into the world of travel you've got access to china you've got access to india all of southeast asia plus It's a jumping off point for many international carriers. So, before we get into the world of travel, Mark, how did you end up an Aussie in KL? What's the story? Give us the brief version and we'll dive in.
1: Brief version. Aussie. Uh, I, I had a startup in Australia, a technology startup in the telco industry. Sold that in 2013. And decided I needed to to move to a new country, and I thought, do I move to Singapore or Hong Kong? I love both of these countries; fantastic places. Rolled the dice. Hong Kong won. Met a girl, stayed there, and <laughs> eventually uh, moved down to to KL about, about four years ago.
0: Oh, the old story,
1: yeah. Uh, they get you every time, mate. <laughs> it's like,
0: how long you been in KL? Nearly five years now. Yeah, five years. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. Great. I love it.
0: Well, we're going to talk about, Telco is going to resurface as well. We're going to see Telco again today because we're going to talk about loyalty and service. And obviously there are parallels with the world of travel as well. Um, we had a good chat earlier about the world of travel. So all of us experience travel buying tickets and we've also dabbled with airline loyalty programs. These are a thing. Um, there are good ones and there are not so good ones. And we'll talk about that. Um, before we do that, I don't know if you've seen the movie, The Terminal, with Tom Hanks. Have you seen that? I have. Right, there's this guy who's, you have, okay. <laughs> you know where we're going with this, right? So it's actually based on a true story. So for those that haven't seen it, The Terminal is about, it's based on a true story. A chap named Mehran Nasari, Iranian guy, he actually got stuck because he was between customs. I don't know the full story, but he lived in Charles de Gaulle Airport for 18 years. You know, he would just turn up, live there. He worked out where all the washrooms are, he slept there, he ate there, got money out of an ATM. 18 years. What's your record, Mark?
1: I'll say 73 days. <laughs> but not, not, not inside the airport, but at the, at the airport hotel.
0: Was that airside or landside?
1: That was landside, but right. connected connected to the airport.
0: What were you doing there for seventy three days? That's that's ten weeks.
1: I said so when I moved to Kuala Lumpur, I uh, you know worked for an airline here, and their office was at the airport. And you know I didn't want to move my family yet, so I thought, yeah, I'll just live in a hotel and live the high life until I move everyone down and get settled in
0: did you get cabin fever living in an airport 10 weeks no no the opposite I loved it
1: really I'd, I'd do it again
0: yeah it's a good airport KL though right I like it especially we've got all that sort of green area and it's nice modern airport right
1: there's a lot of the Asian airports Southeast Asian airports are pretty yeah. nice
0: yeah I could spend it probably 10 weeks at Singapore Airport Changi it's nice it's quiet it's very sort of you, you go there and then you go back to you know airports in other parts of the world and you see how they were used to be run, right? The queues and the noise and it's different here in Southeast Asia. We've got some great airports. You must know some secrets about airports as well. I want to tap those. Just give us a clue. What do you know about airports that we normal travelers don't know? I want to ask you that. And then we'll go into the numbers. What do I know that everyone doesn't know? If you were to guide us around an airport for a day, if you had full access, you would take us somewhere that most people don't know about. Where would you take us? There's no secret VIP
1: lane. Like there's no, <laughs> there's no, no like secret underground area where all, everyone goes and like, oh, nobody knows about this area. You know, I, mean, I, I guess airline lounges are probably the best version of that. You know, if you got elite status, like a goal or something higher at airline, you can go into airline lounges. They're pretty, pretty hidden. You know, there's like rest, full blown five star restaurants, unlimited mm. food and alcohol, and all sorts of stuff.
0: Um, best one. What would you recommend? Because there's a wide range of quality, isn't there, with lounges?
1: There's a couple that stand out. I think Singapore Airlines private room in Changi Airport is fantastic and it's just been remodeled. Hmm. Uh, That's a fabulous one. The Qantas first-class lounges, Sydney, Melbourne, LA, Singapore, they're fantastic.
0: What's fantastic about it?
1: It's like like the best restaurant lounge you've ever walked into and everything is free.
0: Wow. Yeah. Obviously airlines understand the value of these lounges and high premium customers, maybe loyalty. And that's where we're going today. We're going to talk about that. I read somewhere that 76% of flyers have a preferred airline. Are you allowed to name your preferred airline? You've got vested interests. Are they Asian or non-Asian? Tell me that much. (laughs) I, I'm Australian at heart and you
1: know I still call Australia home so you, you can guess my favorite airline Qantas Jetstar <laughs> <laughs> how did you Jet Jetstar? Like, what is
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah there's some great five-star quality airlines in the region let's talk about the numbers behind all of this as well and there's this thing called a status match I say status you say status let's just agree to disagree. But what is a status match? I didn't know about this. When we were chatting about airlines and loyalty programs, this is something I've never heard of before. So enlighten us, Mark.
1: So is status match. The term has been around for at least 30 or 40 years. Airlines have been playing for a long time. So it's not its not new. What it is, if, if you're like a silver or gold member with one airline, yes, yeah, so you're, you're flying a lot of travel, you're getting a lot of the perks. Uh, one of the ways airlines will try and a competing airline and try and get you across as a customer is to give you what's called a status match. They're matching your status or your status. So if you've got gold right one they will give you gold with their airline. And the idea is, here, here's some gold status. Now, now move some of your business to our company. Start flying mm-hmm. us. Uh, and this is really important. It's, it's a very powerful technique. It's started in airlines decades ago. And this is because people with status represent about 6 to 8% of Uh, The top frequent flyers in the world. And they represent about 30 to 40% of total ticket revenue that airlines generate. So these are like, they're the biggest single group of customers that an airline can get. And so anything they can do to kind of get people over, they're in for it.
0: Do you have to go to an airline and ask for that? Or does the airline come to you and try and poach you? How does it work?
1: Traditionally, you'd you'd find an email address at an airline, write email, hey, I'm a gold member with da 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 airlines. I'm thinking about, I'm, I'm changing jobs. I'm moving countries. You know, I'd like to try your airline. I'd like to start match your airline. Um, here's my number. P- pretty please, chair on top, can I get gold status? And you basically are be- begging for it. And then maybe you wait two, three, four, five, six weeks, maybe get a reply, maybe you don't. Um, and then it's a bit of a lottery if you're going to get what you asked for or not.
0: Hmm. So it exists already, the concept exists. So they know what you're talking about and they've done it before. And yet, is there a department that handles that? Or is it a case of we get this email and who's the best person to deal with this? There isn't a process in place. What's generally the case with these airlines?
1: This is what I'll call the old school process. You know, you try and email at someone in sales team. Maybe your, your company mm. has a, a sales manager, a representative through a travel agent, Maybe you know someone that works at the airline. It's a bit of a hit and miss, really. Uh, nine times out of ten, ends up on the CEO's email because they don't know where else to send it. And then it kind of internally filters down to the right person, hopefully in loyalty.
0: Right. So somebody in loyalty gets that and say, all right, so Mark's a gold. He's on this airline, a competitor. Let's say he's, with, he's a Chris Flyer gold or such a thing exists, right? The equivalent. And we're Qantas. We want his business. You email us, we take that. What do we then do? Do we then have to verify the fact that you are on this program with another airline? I imagine there's a lot of hoops that you need to go through before they can set you up, no? Well,
1: truly, a lot airlines don't even have a process. They get the email and go, does this email look legit? If yeah. yes, just give them the gold. If no, just forward it to someone else. Maybe it gets deleted. Maybe they never get a reply. Who, who knows where it goes? DevNull. <laughs> and wow. so that's that's a traditional process. And you gotta remember, these people are in the top percent of people freaking flyers in the world. Mm. Right. So these are these are your high value customers. And this is how airlines traditionally been treating these kinds of requests.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised. Like, I wonder if like, you know, as a can I just chance it? Can I email <laughs> an airline and say, look, I'm a platinum diamond, you know, whatever member of United or American Airlines take me on do i have a chance of success because it seems like you know you're balling it with these guys
1: yeah you could try you they get might, them might ask for like a screenshot you know some sort of evidence that you've uh. got really got gold status but you know everyone's got access to photoshop these days so it's, it's pretty easy to, to to sort of get around that and if, if if they are giving you a gold status which you may be not entitled to for example mm. suddenly you've got access to airline lounges you're not paying for bag fees, you've got seat selection, you're getting, you know, all these, all these perks which the airline otherwise would be able to charge you for. So the airlines actually losing money out of you, Hmm. um, because they're giving you something you'd otherwise pay for.
0: How well known is this info amongst the flight community? I mean, the travelers, I imagine there's a group of people, obviously there's the hackers who probably know about this, but I don't know what percentage they are of the total of that elite that you talk about that make up 30% of the revenue. Is this a well-known procedure? Is this common knowledge on forums? And I'm curious about that because if it was, a lot of people would be doing it, right? It's reasonably
1: mainstream. So if you if you've got status and you've done any kind of Google searching, you know what perks can I get? Or uh, I'm sick of my airline. What can I do? Mm. You know, uh, or how do I? A lot of people when they first think about it, they they Google things like how do I transfer my miles, Mm. right? Which you can't really transfer. But they, that's what they Google, and then they end up figuring out what a status match is, and then they—it's you know, a bit of a rabbit hole. You're on one forum, then you're on one site, then one article, and then you know, before you know it, you've you've done you've applied for ten status matches.
0: Hmm. Right. So Amazing.
1: it's it, it's a it's a pretty common thing, and you know when airlines off publicly offer a, a campaign around this, um, they become incredibly popular.
0: Well, if they can win these customers across and match their miles or even i don't know if they offer premiums on miles you know we'll give you 1.15 mile for every mile you have with this airline whatever it is the value of that customer is huge to their business because you know they probably like you say was it eight percent five percent make up thirty percent yeah exactly right so it's not just six times more per head it's a lot more than that isn't it because of the ratios so it's significant they probably spend 10 times more than the average customer and then there's also the influence of that customer on the people around them you're probably a business account you know they probably have influence of tell people about their airline if they're loyal they'll influence other potential status matches coming on board so that the economic value is huge potentially
1: it's it's exactly right and if you know, think about it. if you're like a chris fire singapore gold member right you're locked in with that airline you, you like flying them, hence you're a gold right? You're used huh. to it, and really, one this is status is one way to unhook you from that airline because you, you're used to the perks, you know, you're used to the priority, everything, the free bags, the lounge access, the welcome back, Mister Brown, here's a champagne, you know, huh. you're used to that stuff, and so if you you kind of want that experience the first time huh. you fly a competing airline because you've kind of proven your value to the industry, and you want recognition for that the first time you fly with a new airline.
0: Huh. Yeah. The consistency and the experience is so important and understanding that from the customer's perspective. I was reading uh, a, a book on Starbucks about how they built their brand. I know it's not in Australia, but um, you know globally, they've been extremely successful building customer loyalty through the consistency of experience. You know, It's that what people come to expect in one store, they expect somewhere else. And actually that consistency experience, whilst there's a, a very strong human touch to it, it's all built on operations and process so we'll come to the nuts and bolts of that how that actually works in a minute in terms of loyalty because you know when we think about customer service and experience we think about that human touch but you can't have the human touch unless you've got this strong base of data underneath it let's talk about some of the numbers this is what really blew me away mark after our conversation and i would be curious to hear what the audience thinks of this as well so obviously airlines went through a very challenging two years with covid and that was a time when a lot of them weren't making any money at all some of them were subsidized in the us a bunch of airlines effectively raised capital and they collateralized their books if you like and um, some of the numbers coming out here united raised 7 billion in the middle of the crisis you know who would lend these guys money when there was no Way out of COVID for these airlines, right? They couldn't see the cash flow coming in. United seven billion, um, Spirit and Delta a um, billion and nine billion, and then American Airlines raised ten billion. And all of this—this this is an article in Harvard Business Review, and it's about how loyalty programs are saving airlines. And it basically said they collateralized their future cash flows on their loyalty programs. The fact that it raised money was purely down to the fact that they had these loyalty programs. And there's some really interesting valuations here. This is the one that blew my mind, is that AA, American Airlines, so the A Advantage loyalty program, and the airline itself, the airline itself is worth $21 billion. The loyalty program is worth $37 billion. It's almost twice as valuable as the airline. Do airlines realize that?
1: Are they really airlines? Or are they something else these days? So, so it, interesting. American Airlines wasn't even operationally not even profitable pre-pandemic for a few years there, uh, but the loyalty program was so profitable it kind of masked that the airline operations side. So overall, they're making billions of dollars. Hmm. So you know, I think there's an argument that uh, are they really airlines anymore, or are they just metal tube flying companies that have a marketing arm? That that basically a fintech company that underpins the loyalty program.
0: So what, the airline tickets are just like a lost leader to get people through the door, if you like, and get data on them?
1: Yeah, I think a, a lot of airlines are, are that,
0: yeah. Nobody in the airline thinks like that, surely?
1: Some do. Some, there's, mm. there's a few, you know, forward-looking uh, CEOs out there that can see that the airline is just one piece of a much bigger and more interesting puzzle and i think because the economics behind airline lawyers have really come up to the surface in the last couple of years because the airlines had to publish all this so you can read it all online right hmm. uh, people are looking at this and going hang on a second well, ha- ha- first are, th- are the airlines valued appropriately in the market you know they've been valuing airlines based on you know sort of trading at Sort of the realm of a an automotive manufacturer, when wow. really they're like they're tech companies and they're wow. marketing companies, which are you know valued in much higher multiples. So really, where's the true value here? And if there is all this built up enterprise value in the loyalty program. What else could it do? Or where should the focus of the airline be? If you were to focus more on the loyalty program, wouldn't that build up the whole value of the whole group even more to support the airline so the airline can do even more interesting stuff?
0: Mm. You've got to think differently about the problem though, right? Like you say, see the problem through a different lens. Are we actually an airline? That's the question that CEOs need to be asking, really, isn't it? That's the, the leadership piece, that who are we and what are we here to do? are we here to fill seats sell tickets or are we here to you know impact people's lifestyles potentially in different ways add value to customers i imagine that doesn't come naturally to a lot of businesses where you you know you built your whole career around selling tickets right a ceo to stand up and say We no longer are all about this. We're about that. That's brave. I mean, we've seen some examples, haven't we? I mean, where you are, obviously, you're just down the road from AirAsia. We've seen Tony Fernandez, very vocal about the future of his airline. I even went on their website the other day, and they're selling competitors' tickets there. Can you imagine that? You go onto AirAsia, and you search for a flight, and it comes up with – I mean, there's an option to select AirAsia flights only. shows you all the competition as well but then there's everything else there's the insurance obviously which has been around a while but you know santan the food you've got their own delivery service they have their own payment card they even have a a record label as well going there's a bit of everything and a fintech company logistics company i mean is is that sort of the future model of an airline where you know they're going to be doing all these things it's almost like one of those Chinese. apps, isn't it, like Meituan or Didi that just collects a lot of data about customers and then solves any problem that that customer has, really, that are related in some way to lifestyle or travel.
1: I mean, they're not really reinventing the wheel here. You just look at some of these Chinese companies that are worth an absolute fortune, you know, and you look at what they've achieved, what they're creating, and as an airline, you think, you know, what? we've got this captive audience. We've got this really amazing loyalty program that creates stickiness to the brand, what else could we layer on top of that? And, you know, looking at some of the other bigger uh, companies overseas, how could we draw inspiration from them to, pr- to bring value to our business or to the airline business to make it grow mm. in a new way? Because to your point, and rightly so, airline business really hasn't changed in uh, half a century at least. You know, you're still selling tickets, you're still flying people. The, the aircraft that are flying, realistically, the same shape and design. Most people can't tell the difference between something that's fifty years old and something that's two years old. Um,
0: it's not getting any faster, is it, to travel? You know, pro- we're not inventing Concords or supersonic flights. Pretty it's much pro- the same. It's probably getting slower to save fuel burn these days. Mm, totally. So, what's I guess you know, with all this out there, what's getting in the way? Like, if we think about. Those numbers again, I'm a $20 billion airline. My loyalty program's $40 billion. Okay, I get it. Right, if we could tap that into financial services and we're not just selling insurance now, which is kind of an easy win for airlines, isn't it? We're doing everything from stored value to payment cards, et cetera, et cetera. We're offering all these kind of aligned services. Maybe we're investing in an ecosystem of logistics players, fintech, et cetera. Sounds easy. This is how a CEO turns a 20 billion valuation overnight into 3X that through, you know, better multiples. as a data company, now we're Netflix. We're no longer an automotive or utility company. We're now tech data. Sounds easy. What's the catch? Why aren't they able to do that so easily? And I guess the follow-on from that we're going to hear is, why do they need you?
1: Well, I think traditionally airlines are pretty risk adverse. Yeah. When, to be fair, you, we want our airlines to be (laughs) risk (laughs) adverse. You you need that culture of safety there, you know, because, you know, we hear it every time you board an aircraft, you know, your safety is our priority. You hear the safety demonstration video. It's all that safety, safety, cleanliness, cleanliness, cleanliness. It's been drilled into our heads the last hundred years. Yeah. So we need that there. So we don't take that away, but you know, if, that, that's what we'll call the operational, the or I call the flying metal tube division of the company, you know. And then you've got the wrestler company, which is really a marketing or a tech company. Yeah. And traditionally marketing companies are, are there to push the boundaries, to try something, to be a bit bold, to to you know, take things forward and into that next step, just like Air Asia is doing with all their little products. Yeah. And so I guess the question, the question is, what does it take to get there? What does it take to take that next step? And this is an idea we've been playing around recently, and, and that is if we look at who the customers of airlines are, right? So people with like a silver gold type status, you know, they represent almost half the spend or revenue from an airline, right? <clears throat> Those people traditionally uh, don't work in airlines, right? So management at at airlines traditionally are not customers of their own product in the way that their most valuable customers are. Yeah. So, you know, think about average airline management, you know, they've they've been there for many years. When they do fly, they're on staff travel, which is very cheap. Um, You know, sometimes it's standby. Uh, And so they, they don't pay what you and me pay when we go to travel. You know, they have a totally different customer experience you know if you were to map it out on like a flow chart or something theirs would look totally different to what the rest of us do um you know they they check in very late for their flight if something goes wrong they just text their buddy and say hey this isn't working can you change my ticket you know whereas you know these days if you or me try to change ticket we're on hold for three hours of the airline and then you know maybe get through to someone and so what it is is the people ultimately making some of these decisions these days and this is not everyone airlines so i'll put that out there but i most, uh, they're just not real customers of the airline and they never have been. Huh. What it means is that there's a slight skew in the decision-making and the, the perspective they're coming from when new products, new ideas sort of rolled out to an airline. It's all about making money and ancillary revenue and travel marketplace and all these kind of buzzwords, when realistically, it's all about the customer, huh. you know? And if you have a fantastic travel experience that legitimately seamless, not try to rip customers off on the website, you know, just make it really easy for people to do business because people want to spend money. Uh-huh. You know, we talk about like the, the new normal of travel, which I think is exactly like the old normal, just a lot better. You know, people want to travel. There's more money in the world now than there has ever before in history of mankind. People are ready and willing to spend. People want to travel. Uh, so, you know, let them do it and make it easy.
0: Uh-huh. But you've highlighted a very important point here, Mark, which is that the money is there, people want to spend it. But, and here's the point, is that the airline employees don't understand their customers from almost an, the position of empathy. They don't walk in their shoes. They didn't have to be on hold for three hours. They didn't have to go through and pay what you pay and therefore value it differently to what they because they're getting on a discount. They didn't spend all that money, save that money up, and then get disappointed because, you know, things didn't work out. This empathy part is really important, isn't it? And we've seen this a lot in different companies. We'll come back to travel, and this is where we're going to come back to the airport as well, I guess, because you've got some experience living in an airport that a lot of companies that really succeed in understanding the customers and really delivering on that promise, not just paying lip service to customer service and experience, but really delivering on it. Their people are part of that community. They understand, they see, they interact with them. I mentioned Starbucks as well as an example is that, you know, they're active in the community. They're involved. You know, there isn't, you know, Starbucks employees drink, Coffee somewhere else. They're not doing that, right? They're still experiencing their own product in the same way. Airlines, you would expect if you were an automotive manufacturer that all your people drive to your car, drove your cars, right? We see those kind of changes. That takes a bit of leadership to say, right? You know, I think Facebook were a good example, you know, of getting people to use a certain type of phone, for example. Or well, I think we've we've seen these examples where you know people will be developing for a customer, but they don't actually use that phone for example android or ios so these are you know that takes leadership to say right everybody get out get out of your desk get out there and you know it's very comfortable you know and i know you didn't do an mba to speak to customers but that is where the insights lie that takes a bit of work so let's talk about what the value of doing that is first and then talk about how we're going to get these people out of their chairs and you know, experiencing customers firsthand what do you actually learn when you go out there and interact with passengers what's the first thing that you see that your average ivory tower airline employer doesn't see tell us about your time in the airport
1: <laughs> i spent a lot of time <clears throat> so you start seeing a lot of things you start seeing the you know, we talk about the small moments can make things really great or not so great. Yeah, so it, it, it works both ways. You start seeing, you know, uh, how long the security lines are, you know, and ha- and you start thinking, how could I, how could I improve this for myself, you know? Because yeah. the management are flying all the time and going through our experience, they're going to solve problems for themselves, which just solve it for millions and billions of other people. So that's a good thing. Yeah, uh, if you if if you're boarding aircraft and you know he's sorry to and new boarding cast had to change a seat and suddenly you're in the back row next to a crying baby on a 15-hour flight you know and you're a platinum member you're gonna be like uh, how come a platinum was been switched back here shouldn't you switch someone else maybe you know huh. things like that um it, it, there's subtle differences subtle differences that you notice but you only get that experience when you're constantly flying like constantly over and over and over and over and over. Not not once or twice a year just to, you know, make sure things are smooth. I mean, you know, in fact I'd go as far as I think airline management should have to earn and keep gold status as a requirement as part of their job. Yeah mm. on, on their own dime. No refunds or not on company time, like in their own time, on their own, on everything. Because then you know, you know, A, they're committed, which is great but um, it probably filters out a bunch of people that don't want to do it. so that's probably a good thing to be wow. fair for airline wow. and share- shareholders and I'm sure the you know stakeholders are like that as well. It's a good message for passengers as well, you know um, and then you start seeing things on board. you know once you fly the same route over and over ten, you know ten times a month kind of thing, you start seeing similarities. you start going, geez, I wish the movies would update more often. <laughs> I wish you know this would I wish. I wish I got two packets of peanuts instead of one. You know, I wish they're they're such small things. But, Mm. but you know, when you speak to the guy next to you, he goes, Yeah, I wish I had that too. And Mm. suddenly that small moment could be can sort of amplify into something bigger where people walk off the aircraft and go, You know what? I don't know what it was, but actually had a good time.
0: How do you quantify that though? This is the challenge, isn't it? That how do you create those moments of magic that make people remember? and you know generate loyalty as well you know going back, i mentioned starbucks again only because it's fresh in my mind but you know how they created customer loyalty like some for example somebody walked into the store and didn't have their card on oh i forgot my card i can't pay don't worry you can pay me next time you know the barista will say that to a customer and it's interesting you have to have i guess big part of it is people but you have to have processes and a culture as well to allow that to happen but that, obviously, that customer feels a sense of now, you know, obligation, a sense of loyalty wow, those people really care for me. And they come back and they come back and they come back, right? And it's those small moments of magic. And what I feel as well, I mean, we've all experienced loyalty programs, you know. We've all experienced them just really, you know, under-delivering in many cases. On, oh, Yeah, great, I can get a discount or I can get access to a lounge. But there's a lot that's missing there, I feel. Just because simply it is just a program. It is just, uh, you know, actions on data. You know, there's no sort of human touch to it. You know, I don't get anybody thanking me. I don't get anybody saying, you know, you're a really valued customer. Um, You know, I'm going to give you this, which is a surprise. We'd get none of that. It's just kind of, okay, right, I've spent all this money. and So you're going to give a little bit of that back now. Maybe I should have had a discount in the first place. right? <laughs> All those kind of things. That's the, that's how people are thinking on when it comes down to economics. So, how do you make those work? How do you actually inject that kind of magic into a loyalty program? And tell us about your experiences. I, I know we were chatting about the time you spent at the airport and the, some of the antics that you got up to, and what kind of insights you got from that. I know you were not just observing, you know, the security lines and the check-ins you were pretty much much more active than that so that's what i think where the listeners are probably curious to hear what actually went on
1: so that, just prefaces this in loyalty there's, there's a there's an art and a science and they, they kind of blend together and you, you need the science which is the financial aspect of it you know let's make sure we're making money out of this program balance sheet all that kind of stuff and then there's the art and this is where it comes from experience and actually being a customer so you know in before i got into airline loyalty i was Frequent flyer. I mean, I still am to some degree. A big frequent flyer I was one of uh, Qantas's top freaking flyers, actually, for a while. And, you know, I drew a lot of inspiration from them. Uh, I'll t- tell one quick story. Um, I was on one Qantas flight, and um, the, the the manager came over to the, the gentleman next to me and said, You know, welcome aboard, Mr. Great to have you. And then sort of skip past me, and then I, I didn't get an introduction. I'm like, why didn't I get an introduction? I'm like the top, top, top status of the airline. Wow. Like, I'm important. Ego, 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 right? And then I um, asked the guy next to me. I said, like, what? Well, you you must be like a gold member or something. He goes, he goes, yeah, I'm a, I'm a platinum member. You know, I'm da-da-da. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Meanwhile, I know I was actually above platinum. I was high, higher than that. And wow. so I thought, thought oh, this is odd. So I just I just emailed, you know, someone at the airline. And just said, hey, I was just a bit weird. You know, I'm not complaining. Just you know just odd and um the lady calls me up there and she goes you know it shouldn't have happened sorry um we want to make it up to you uh you know what are you doing next week and I said I uh, don't know what do you got planned for me she goes um um John Travolta's in town do you want to do you want to go on a flight with John Travolta on his 707 Qantas library aircraft over Sydney for two hours what yeah <laughs> And I said, I said, no, nah, I'm busy. No, nah, I'm kidding. <laughs> said, With John Travolta? As the captain. As the captain. As the captain. As the captain. And obviously I said yes and had a, a great time, you know, drinking way too much champagne on on his on his private plane at oh, the time. Oh,
0: wow Amazing. And,
1: and so this is, you know, this is not surprise and delight. This is blow your mind type material as a loyal customer. So suddenly I had this experience just a bit odd. No, not, not really complaining. So suddenly my perception of the loyalty program, what the brand could do for me as a passenger is obviously beyond my expectations.
0: Wow. Right. How many miles did you have to do to be at that level? A lot. <laughs> I imagine. John Trevor' is not cheap. He did they didn't do the flight just for you though, did they? Just no, like no, no, for no, that. No. They were doing um, it anyway, but they managed to get you on it, which is great. I think it's probably 10, 15 people on the flight. Wow! Yeah, what yeah. an experience. That's yeah, amazing.
1: It was awesome. It was awesome. And how and many so, people
0: do you think you told about that? Probably five million people. <laughs> so
1: it's, no, I mean the sto- the the value in the story, you know, for the airline now is 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 huge, and it's 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 these experiences that I, I drew from and then obviously I huh. you know sort of got into the airline industry after that that really got me interested in it and had to kind of work my way through it. Eventually ended up running loyalty um at a at Malaysia Airlines in Malaysia huh. and sort of applied a lot of that, you know, I'm a customer, what can I do for the airlines customers as well? How can I wow them? How can I do stuff that they would never expect that would just put that little seed in their mind, like mm. and start something they could tell their friends about, even if it's just something small, you know? And this is part of the art. This is the art of the loads of program, how that how that combines with the science part. So, you know, you know, living at the airport for 73 days, had a bit of time on my hands after work. <laughs> Being an airline geek, you know, I just wandered around the airport. What could I do? Had a magical badge that all access, every, everywhere access to do anything. And so I just started doing stuff I thought was kind of cool, you know, st- stuff that I would like if I was a passenger, if I was there mm. at the time. So one that got a bit of attention online, I I went and bought a bunch of got have a chocolates from a store in the airport and I thought I'm going to give some away to a silver members, some of the gold, some of the platinum. I'm going to hunt these people down. I'm going to give exact people. I had some people, you know, flying that day. I was going to give these people too. That was my fun for the, for the week.
0: So you had a list of these silver platinum members gold members and you had to find where they were in the airport and present them this gift it's like a little treasure hunt you know how do you do that how do you know where they are in the airport I'm curious I know they've got it, these tracking things now but you d- sure it's you different, d- different you
1: don't d- you don't the, I mean the, right. the gold the platinum you could assume they're in the airline lounge because uh, okay. it's, defa- it's the default place to go you know you go on you there's Mr so-and-so in here oh he just came in before he was wearing a red shirt you know so there's a bit of that um and it was, it was, you know, when I found these people, I'd, you know, Mr. Smith, you know, thank you for being loyal. Here's some chocolates for you. Um, and the reactions I had were totally unexpected. I was just gonna, you know, give them some chocolates. Yeah. It's a bit selfish, bit fun for me, really. Uh I think and then, you know, one let like, one gentleman, um, he was flying to India that he was on a flight to India uh for the um doctors without borders. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um and uh, chocolate He started, you know, tearing up a bit and says, "You know, this is this is great. I've been I've been really loyal to this airline throughout all the years, throughout all their issues the airlines had. I'm still a loyal customer. And you know, I'm flying tonight on this one. I always fly on this flight. You know, he's in the economy class. He's not big spender. He's just really loyal. And I didn't know that until that point. Gave him chocolates, and he's like, he's like, I've never met anyone from the airline oh. uh, like it, like in, in a you know a higher higher position." Uh, and he just said, "He said, thank you, thank you. I'm going to continue flying the airline now. Thank you.' He just made my day, and you know, it's it's just it's just those few seconds. You know, it was a hmm. sixty second conversation made that guy's day. Got some chocolates, and he was happy. You know, the, the, it's a pretty typical experience because um, they're just not expecting hmm. expecting these things. And
0: um, you know, isn't the challenge with that, Omar, is that firstly? I mean, some people are going to argue about the cost of Godiva chocolates, but I mean, I think we've kind of beyond that in terms of the value of that customer to the airline long-term over the cost of the chocolates. The ROI is pretty huge. I don't think it's the cost, economic cost part. It's more of the emotional human cost, which is somebody's got to do this. And what you're doing is an exception. So how do you make the exception the rule? That's the challenge, isn't it? How do you make that... How do you create a culture or you know have workflows the science if you like such that that it becomes the rule that you know it, it, there isn't just mark ross smith doing this like any you know where is he today oh he's in l.a all right when's he coming back around to asia oh you know he'll be back in july That you know we you know we can't have that kind of scenario it's got to be happening everywhere it, it doesn't have to be so extreme but you've got to have Something like that. Oh, even if just like I've never met somebody at the airline before, that was quite insightful, wasn't it? Or well, having that kind of emotional touch. Oh, you're not just a bunch of faceless, you know, mercenaries. You know, <laughs> which for most people is how they may view an airline. It's like you know, I just buy the cheapest ticket, or you know, the one that's not going to screw me up on the way. So, how do you make that the rule as opposed to the exception?
1: I think it, you're right. That most people, when they interface with the airline, it, the loyalty program is that interface. It's the connect. It's the member account. You know, they've got a card. It's like I'm, they're very proud. You know, they'll people carry their gold cards in their in their wallet or their, their purse. You know, and show people like, hey, look, I'm I've got very proud of this, uh, and that's their emotional connection to the airline. So when they see that, that's that's their interface to them. So when they see that from the airline, it's a real wow moment. It's like ah, it's it all makes sense. That all all the dots align for them. It's like. This is why I'm loyal. This is why I keep flying a hmm. airline because this thing happened that I didn't expect that's really positive. And, you know, with airlines, are very good at this. Uh, consistency uh, and making people feel good over and over and over and over, eventually, uh, it's actually the same feeling as, as falling in love. Hmm. People start falling in love with the brand, and that's why airline loyalty programs are so sticky because hmm. people are just they're in love. Hmm.
0: Well, when you love someone as well, you can take them on a journey. I'm not sure where that's going. Maybe not the right use of analogy, but there's that trust, isn't there? That they will then try other things. So, um, you know, the great thing about having strong brand loyalty is that you can introduce new ideas and take that customer to try new services, So, you know, in finishing up, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts about where this is going. If you have a situation where, okay, you have a strong loyalty program with good data, which is the science, and you have a really deep understanding of the customer, that empathy, the the art, which you call it, then you have this together that creates that winning formula for, you know, the third chapter, which is a lot of airlines talk about transformation. uh, Where are we going to be? in 10, 20 years' time, where is the next growth story in this airline? We've already seen it with some airlines, and we've mentioned AirAsia. You know, they have many different ancillary services, as I suppose they used to call them, now driving revenue. And we've seen examples, like with the Chinese players, who you know started out as Groupon or started out as a delivery service, and now are banks. And, you know, we're starting to see this happening, this transformation where It could be a taxi service like a Grab from Malaysia who now are a digital bank. So why not airlines? Where is all this going and who are going to be the winners and losers in this?
1: So I think we're already starting to see airlines move in this direction. And a, a lot of it is driven by them looking at other technology companies And seeing what they're doing and these insane valuations and the amount of money being raised and all these things and airlines are like how do we get a piece of that too because airlines are pretty good at raising money from governments and so if they can apply that to the the wider market um you know they've got think of it an airline is really hard to start up it's expensive really expensive it's really time consuming um but once you've got it there uh it's easy to branch out to other things, right? So financial services is really the big thing that, you know, they're, they're all moving into uh, these days. And the loyalty program effectively is a financial services company. Hmm. Um, there's a really great podcast um, by Brian Hobart, and he talks about how loyalty programs and airlines really are just fintech and marketing companies. Huh. And he talks about how... Uh, it's actually if if you're a fintech company today trying to acquire customers, it's actually cheaper to go to go to go start an airline, go through all the nonsense of doing that, funding the airline, do do all that. It's actually cheaper to do that to acquire customers than it is to acquire customers through traditional methods uh, of you know financial services customer acquisition.
0: It's incredible. I it's mean, great. I'm sure it was said partly as a joke, but there's probably a lot of truth in that. The customer, the subscriber acquisition cost in financial services what are we talking probably a few thousand for a quality customer especially absolutely. if you're talking you know you're i mean there's a wide range of different customers as well isn't there i mean if you're acquiring somebody who may be high net worth you know those sort of lo- those loyalty program type members i mean Is how it, much would they pay for those guys five ten thousand maybe
1: there's a bit of money floating around there yeah, that's for yeah sure. absolutely and so it, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw a fintech company or a startup buy an airline purely to, for customer acquisition or to, you know, increase the enterprise value. I think we might see a reverse kind of scenario. That's here. That's incredible
0: if that actually happens. If they were to do that, I mean, if you were a fintech company, obviously, uh, you know, what we're looking at now is that there may be, the valuations airlines are going to be hugely differential throughout the world, but what would make sense for them? If they say, okay, right, actually, you know, we've done the math on this, that, you know, maybe the subscriber acquisition cost for your service is $5,000. But, you know, the, if you buy this airline, this small airline, maybe high net worth airline, you could probably, or even invest in it and get access to this data. Where would that make sense? Well, they're not going to buy Singapore Airlines, for example, or American Airlines. Potentially, I don't know. Like, let's review this in 10 years' time, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Famous last words. Are you serious? Do you think this is actually happening in the foreseeable future?
1: I think it's going to happen one day. Maybe calling a little bit early right now, but it, 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 it makes sense to happen
0: mm. because
1: traditionally airlines have gone out there and bought, you know, hotels and catering companies and all this sort of stuff. Whereas I think it's going to be a total flip. I think there'll be all these other companies trying to buy airlines not not for the airline business, but to, yeah, yeah. to achieve something else within their business.
0: That's a fundamental shift, isn't it? So basically what those airlines did before was they bought hotels and insurance as an add-on to existing customers, right? So that they could upsell value-added services to them and, you know, they could get an extra 10%, 15% out of that customer. And yet what we're talking about now is where a financial services provider or somebody who has high customer acquisition costs could actually do that cheaper by somehow getting their hands on an airline in some shape or form, acquiring an airline or investing, who who knows, or some form of travel company that has access to a lot of data like that. that. That's really interesting. I'm sure it's going to make people think a little bit about their business models as well. So I find that fascinating. The numbers are there, but hopefully today has been a walkthrough for the listeners about the potential of travel a lot of people see travel I mean obviously because what it's been through in the last couple of years is an industry which is heavily subsidized obviously by government or these bailouts but if you look at the numbers where we are now especially in the private sector it's it's healthy and I think we haven't even tapped into the value yet have we there's this real sleeper value that a lot of airlines and now we're starting to think about financial services could tap into It's an exciting time. So moving forward, Mark, thanks for sharing this with us today. I mean, those people interested in this market, Who generally, before we put the call out to where people can find out about you, is what kind of companies do you find are you having conversations about this with these days?
1: We're talking to a lot of airlines, hotels, people that play around the the airline space or people that want to deal with airlines and loyalty programs as well.
0: Would it be somebody with loyalty in their job title? Always.
1: We talk to a lot of, a lot of airline loyalty people uh, ah. about where, they, where their business is going, how they can attract new customers, how they can keep existing customers, how they can monetize existing customers more, because really it's their duty to, to do more of that, if anything, to protect themselves from a fintech coming by. <laughs> ah. <laughs>
0: Exactly, you heard it here first Mark Ross-Smith everybody Where do we find out more right here?
1: You find me on LinkedIn or statusmatch.com
0: Awesome You've been listening to the XL Podcast with me, Graham Brown To subscribe and discover more conversations go to www.xlpodcast.org